Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Either you're a member of the body doing your purpose, or you're not a member of the body. I'm glad that my liver doesn't want to be anonymous in the body. I'm glad that my heart doesn't want to be anonymous. It wants to be known by the rest of the flow of the body. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. They're getting me worked up right here. They're getting me worked up, but I was I was chastised in the morning meeting about not preaching too long. They're getting me worked up. Shakaba. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be saved today. How about you? I am happy to be saved today. I'm happy that the Holy Ghost of God dwells on the inside of me. I'm happy for the hope of the resurrection. I'm happy for the church of Jesus Christ the world over. That is the body of Christ. I'm happy for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Mikey. I'm happy that I'm not here on my own. I'm happy that death has lost its sting. I'm happy that there is a resurrection and that there is everlasting life. I am happy about that. I am happy that one day I'm going to pass on to eternity and I'm going to just be chilling, waiting for my family to come join me. Aren't you happy about that? I'm happy I'm going to be, I'm going to be accepted up into the cloud of witnesses. And I'm going to be talking to Paul about how he could have been a little more clear in his writing. Some things that I thought he should have included in his epistles. I'm going to talk to Peter a little bit and ask what was really going on those days. And if they did him dirt in his uh, writings in the, of the Gospels, that was accurate or not, I will have conversations. And I will ask God all those days that I did not know what you were doing, what were you doing? Because one day it will all make sense. Amen? One day, in the by and by, it is all going to make sense. We will come to understand it by and by. That's what the, the hymn says. Okay, y'all got to stop. You're going to make me just get to preaching here. I got a message. Go ahead and turn in your Bible to Matthew. Whoa, I feel the Holy Ghost. Uh, if you, uh, we, um, mm, hallelujah. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Happy Father's Day to all the... I want to say Happy Father's Day to the fathers and the single mothers. Happy Father's Day to you all. Amen? Amen. Happy Father's Day. I used to get my mom a Father's Day card every uh, Father's Day. I'd be like, you're the closest I got. Thank you. I appreciate that. Shout out to Mama Dukes. Shout out to Mama Dukes. And, uh, and uh, go ahead and turn to your Bible in Matthew chapter 9. I, um, uh, I, I feel like we have been in a significant message series for this house. And uh, I feel like God has brought some messages recently. Have you felt that way? Oh, yeah. I felt like well, there's some meat that the Lord has been serving up. Um, uh, we, we, have you ever been um, like to expensive areas and you go to expensive restaurants? There's a funny thing about expensive restaurants. The more expensive they are, the less food they give you. I'm like, what? wait a minute. Now, now I go to Sizzler and I get a $20 steak. I come home super full. Now, I go to like a, a, a five-star restaurant in Vegas and get a $20 steak. I get like a sliver of steak. I'm like, wait, 
what, I can see through this. What is, I should be like, I don't, it's $70 and I don't get full. I don't understand what's happening. And uh, potatoes, like how do potatoes get more expensive and expensive? I know what a potato costs. I go to Publix. Like, what did y'all add to this potato to make it $15? Is there gold in the potato? Like, is this magic potatoes? Like, what, what is going on with the potato that would make it cost this much? I don't, I don't understand. And, uh, but, 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 but I believe the Lord has been serving us up some meat uh, recently. And I think he's putting meat on the bones because I believe the Lord is preparing us to do something. When my son ran cross country. We used to have a nice good meal the night before because he had a task ahead of him. And uh, when we, I feel like the Lord is feeding us for something great that is coming. Let's get in the Bible today. Let's see what the Lord has for us. My, Matthew chapter nine. I'm going to read um, through um, chapter 10 a little later, but we're going to start here. Matthew chapter nine, verse 35 you would open the word of God. It says, <clears throat> Jesus, and if you're, if you're new to Revival Life Church, I'd like to welcome you. And uh, we read the Bible in the New Testament. The main character is him, Jesus, right? That's the, main, that's the main character. If you're looking for him, there he is. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease. What kinds? Okay. And every kind of sickness. What kinds? Okay, that's important. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And Father, we thank you for your word today. And we pray that you would anoint it, that it would land upon our hearts that are receptive and open and ears that are willing to learn, Father. And we lay down our preconceived notions and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and minister to us and speak to us in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. We are in our empowered message series. We are in our empowered message series. And uh, God is, is showing us not only how he's empowered us, what he has empowered us for. I think one of these, the mics aren't muted, so I'm picking up all the effects. I'm sounding good. It sounded like I was a choir up here preaching. But Jesus, the Bible says at this point of the story, Jesus had revealed himself. And uh, he had begun to do miracles. He was wandering everywhere. He was walking to and fro. They were doing the Bible says in this passage, all the areas around, he was healing all sicknesses, curing all diseases. Jesus was doing the stuff. Now his apostles were following along with him, looking more and more foolish every day because they had no grid for what he was doing. They really wanted to impress the teacher, but the teacher was never impressed. But they just kept following him everywhere. And what Jesus was doing was he was giving true discipleship. True discipleship is when the master puts upon his student the heart that the master has. The greatest teachers are able to convey a truth in a way that not only conveys the message, but the purpose of the message. Not just the what, but the why. And so Jesus was out there trying to mold his disciples to be followers of the living God, to 
care about the things that God cared about and to hate the things that God hates and to lean into the things that God wants them to lean into and reject the things that God wants rejected. How many of you know that we need to not just love God, but we need to hate the devil? If you want to hate something, you can hate the devil. You can direct all your hatred you want at the devil. You're allowed to hate him fully and completely and direct all your hatred at him. And not only do we need to receive what God has for us, we need to reject what God does not have for us. Can you say amen? Sometimes we need the God will move on our hearts and we need to open our hearts to people who have hurt us. Maybe people who loved us, but were not able to love us in the way we wanted to be loved or needed to be loved. And so we were actually hurt. And as we get older and we grow in maturity, we recognize they were doing the best they could with what they had. And uh, it's, it's, it's a place of maturity when you're able to look back at your parents and say, well, I kind of get it now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I kind of, I, okay, I, I see, I see. They, they did the, yeah. And then, and then you know you've become a follower of Christ when you go to them and you say, I wasn't the easiest one to raise. Would you forgive me? I was doing the best I could with what I had. Not really. I just wasn't doing well. Forgive me. <laughs> If you, if, you, if you would, please. That, that's a place of maturity. But at the same point, we got to recognize there are people in our lives. This isn't, I wouldn't plan on saying this, but it's stuck in my spirit. But there's people in our lives we need to cut off. Right? Now, a cult tells you that you got to cut off people like family. Right? Uh, and, and because, you know, in one place, Jesus said, you have to hate your family to follow me. And they'll blow that up into a, don't do that. Like, that's bad. Your family's going to be with you. But there are people that have, just because you've been on the same path doesn't mean you're on the same journey. And sometimes you've got to recognize some of those who have been on a path with you aren't on the journey with you. And as a matter of fact, some of the people who are on the journey with you for a minute don't want you to complete your journey, and they're actually trying to divert you to their path. And so they start sowing into your life seeds of discord and discontent to try to get you off your journey to make them feel good about them leaving their journey. And in those times of maturity, we need to break off with those folks with grace and love saying, hey, um, I love you. You're wonderful. You're awesome. But I can't go on that journey with you. I got to be on my journey. And that's not being unloving. It's not being unchristian. It's called setting healthy boundaries. This is where I'm going. If you want to come with me, I'm always down for, part, for company, but I can't go where you're going because where you're going, there's no life there. And so I need to be able to build those. Th- anybody hear what I'm talking Am I talking to anybody in the room right now? I just feel like somebody needs to hear that right now. And you feel guilty. You're like, this person is sucking me dry, but I got to be there. And then God's like, um, no, they actually need to know me. And so this is what we're going to talk a little bit about today. We try out of compassion to meet the needs of people around us in ways we are not anointed to meet their need. We, we, we start off good, we start off with God, and then we just move into works of the flesh and don't even realize it. Come on, somebody don't know what I'm talking about right now. Now, we, we, just, we, we, we go in there and we say we're going to help them, and then all of a sudden we become Holy Spirit for them. And all of a sudden we start feeling like, oh no, they need me, I have to go in there. And we done just took the place of God in their life and didn't even recognize it. Wondering why we're getting sucked dry because we're not anointed to carry those burdens. Only Jesus is able to carry those burdens. And if we're honest with ourselves, every now and then we find ourselves trapped in these codependent relationships because we're actually getting something out of it. 
Now we're using their pain to make us feel good about ourselves. And now we got to be mature enough to say, I can't be part of this dynamic any longer. I'm going to have to go on my journey. You can go with me, but I can't do it for you. Am I speaking to anybody in the room right now? Yeah, we need to be. Amen. 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 And so Jesus came along and Jesus saw the problems of the world who Jesus is anointed to carry those burdens. And so Jesus was walking with his disciples and he saw the problems of the people. And the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. And God sent Jesus to the earth and Jesus picked his disciples and he started out with 12 for a reason. Because when you're broadcasting, you can get out a message, but when you're discipling, you impart the heart. And so you could only manage, if Jesus could only do about 12, if you and me can disciple three at a time, we're doing really well. Amen. He, Jesus discipled 12 and one of them didn't make it. And so, so, so if, 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 if 11 was his limit... I don't know how many the average mega pastor who, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how that works. It needs life on life with people who are imparting hearts. And so Jesus had to impart this heart on these 11 people. He tried for 12, but these 11 people. And, uh, and uh, he got this heart on them, knowing that if he got the right heart, then they would have the right empowerment to do what he called them to do. Because we got to do it from the right motives. I talk to those I disciple all the time, anointed and not anointed alike, that we can get the anointing of the Holy Ghost and we can begin to get in that same codependent relationship where the anointing starts to define us instead of our compassion for the people. And so if we're going to operate in the anointing in the way God wants it, we have to understand what it's used for and not let our ability to help people define who we are. Otherwise, we need broken people around us all the time in order for us to feel whole. I'm just, I'm just, that's just, I just do something to think about a little bit right there. But I want to dig in here a little bit in the scriptures if we could. I want to dig in here real quick in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. I just want to unpack this scripture real quickly. It says, seeing the people, <clears throat> he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Now, part of what we have been doing over time here is try to teach people how to read the Word of God so they can understand what's happening in the Word of God. And as we read it, we have to kind of figure out where the, where, where, the, where the gold is, right? So when you pan the Bible and if you get into a scripture and you kind of get stuck on it, what you want to do is you want to read it in several versions. We've talked about this. And if you were to read this scripture in five different versions, maybe a thought for thought or what they call a dynamic equivalent or a word for word version, you're going to see these two words are, are, are translated differently in many translations. That means there's something going on here that isn't as clear as it looks. And, and so in the Greek, it's skiloki rito is what it is. That's my Greek for today. Thank you very much. That takes me a while. You know, come on. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm no Greek scholar here, but you know, I try to do what I can do. Skilo is, uh, if you would put that verse up one more time, uh, Anastasia, please. Um, it, so distress, the word for dress is uh, skilo. Did they say that? Skilo. Right? And dispirited is rito. Right? And uh, and is ke. So it's, so it's skilo ke rito. One more time. We're saying this for a reason. Now, there, there's something important about these words I want you to get. This is how Jesus 
saw the world. And if you want to do what Jesus did, we better see the world the way Jesus saw it. There's something that Matthew is trying to get across here that is super, super important. This is how Jesus viewed the world. So skilo is, um, the word distressed there is, is uh, I think, a, a pretty poor usage of the word. I, I, I watch YouTube probably too much, if I could be honest with you. I lay in bed at night, my wife falls asleep before me, and I put on my headphones or I put on my earbuds, and I just start going on journeys in YouTube, right? I, 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 I subscribe to stuff, I follow stuff. I tried to get my daughter to watch a show with me one time. She's like, this is the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. Because I, I, I tend to watch a lot of homesteading uh, 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 channels. And you're like, why would anybody do that? But I, I watch that. These people, they move out into the woods and they build a house and they do the solar grid and they start raising some animals and then they kill the animals and they eat them, right? Like they're just, they're homesteading, right? They get their own water. And I just follow them on their journeys for years. And this one homesteading uh, show that I watched they had finally cleared out the land, and they're on like, I've been watching them for like four years or five years, and they finally um, got to the place where they're uh, raising goats. And uh, they, they, they raised these goats, and the goats started getting pregnant, and uh, the goats had babies. I don't know what a baby goat, it's a kid, I'm sorry, I do know that, I do know that. And so the baby had kids, and uh, some would have two, some would have three, and one of, um, one of their favorite goats had a, had a kid, and they rejected it. And the, the, the goat rejected the kid. And anytime the kid would come to try to feed, uh, the goat would kick it because this, this little kid had like a, a limp. And so, um, and so when the main goat started bullying it, all the goats started bullying it. And the problem was it was a newborn and it wasn't able to get any food because not only was a mother kicking it, everybody else was picking it, kicking it and picking on it. So it couldn't get to the udders I, I think that's what you call them on a goat. I don't know. It's on a cow, so we'll just call it that, right? So it couldn't, it couldn't, it couldn't uh, drink milk and live, and so it was, it was beginning, it was beginning to die because of the abuse, the rejection that that was happening from the other goats. That's the word ripto. That's the word for distressed. Put that scripture up if you will one more time, Sasha. That is distressed. That that is that is skilo. Excuse me. That is skilo. That is this. That is this, this um, rejection, this beating and harassment that keeps you from your nourishment. And so then we have dispirited, which is the word skilo. And, and this, this word is actually used in Scripture a lot. Um, if you remember, there was a, in Luke chapter 4, there was a, a man who was demonized. And then Jesus came to the man and cast the devil out of him. I believe it's um, Luke 4.35. And when Jesus cast the devil out of him, um, the devil threw him to the ground. And the word used there for threw him to the ground is skilo. Literally body slammed him, right? Skilo. Also, um, if you remember Judas, we talked about that 12th disciple, the one who betrayed Jesus, like they make clear every time they bring up his name in the Bible, you know, and the one who betrayed, not, you know, Judas, not the one who betrayed Jesus, the other one, right? Um, and so, so Judas, if you remember the story, he got bribed by the temple officials. Remember they gave him how much money? 30 pieces of silver. Go ahead, give yourself a gold star. 30 pieces of silver. And, um, and then he got the 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed Jesus. And then um, Jesus went through his passion and then, this is what the devil does. The devil tempts you with sin. It makes you feel good about it. And then lifts the pleasure off. And then you recognize how bad 
you just messed up. And you know what I mean? Like, that's how he does it. Oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. Okay, I'll go along if you say it's going to be great. Surprise! Your life is now destroyed, right? And so, and so um, Judas got the surprise. Your life is now destroyed. And uh, you're, you know, this one who loved you is now being brutalized. And so he had these 30 pieces of silver, and he tried to give it back to the people who gave it to him. And they're like, that's blood money. I don't want nothing to do with that. Like, that's on you now. And he's like, dang, right? And so the Bible says that he went to the temple and he threw the 30 pieces of silver. Like, get this disgusting blood money away from me. The word the Bible uses there in Matthew 27 is skilo. He get this disgusting stuff away from threw it away from him. So the way Jesus is walking the earth and he's seeing the people around Jerusalem, the people around Israel, the people of God, he's seeing them being rejected. He's seeing them being harassed and beaten, unable to come to true nourishment. And not only that, they're being stomped and crushed and rejected by the people of the age, skilo keripto, they're harassed, abused, rejected, and discarded like trash. And Jesus said these people are being treated like sheep without a shepherd. Now in the homesteading channel that I had, the, the, the man who owned the homestead saw this would happen, and what he did was he got the kid, uh, and he brought it into the home, and they bottle-fed it until it got healthy. And then after the baby was a little healthy, he would isolate it with the mother, and then eventually the mother allowed the kid to feed, and then he reintegrated the kid in with the rest of his, I don't know, whatever they are, group of sheep. Whatever, I'm sure there's a word for a group of sheep. I don't know what it is. A, a herd, flock, I don't know. Group, school, could be anything. I don't know. Family, could be anything. But he, he nourished it back until it could feed again. And this is, this, is, this, is, this is the heart of Jesus. Jesus says, man, look at these. Look at my people. My people are being abused. They're being rejected. They're being stomped. If a shepherd was around, this would not happen to my people. There's people who say they're shepherds, but they're not shepherds. But a real shepherd is here. And so Jesus was going town to town, letting his disciples see, you have been indoctrinated into a system where you think this is okay. But this is not okay. It's not okay to me, and it's not okay to my Father. This is a problem, and I am going to do something about it. You see, when we're born into a culture, we don't recognize the culture we're born into until we see a different culture. You don't have an accent until you go somewhere else. You talk normal, and then you go somewhere else, and they say you have an accent. You're like, what are you talking about I have an accent? This is how people talk. And you're like, no, it is how you talk. You're from a different culture. You see, Jesus came from a different culture to earth. He came from the culture of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, the Holy Trinity, where they lived in community of love, loving affection, right? And when the, Jesus came to earth, he came with an entirely different culture in his heart, and he had to let the disciples know, Man, this is going to take me some time, but I know you think this is the way things are supposed to be, but there is a different culture at work. We're in Boca Raton, and we don't see the culture of, of, of greed. We don't see the culture of, of sexism. We don't see the culture of racism. We don't see the culture of um, a lack of pity on the impoverished. We, we don't see the culture of gluttony. We don't, we don't see this culture of, of just unfettered consumerism. We're just, we're born into it. And then we open up these scriptures and we start seeing something very different than we see in Boca Raton. And we have to figure out 
what am I going to do about this disparity? I, am, I going to, am I going to say, well, this is this, this Christian world, and I just go to church and I experience it, and then I go back into the world, and then I just wait for Jesus to come and change everything? Or do I look at the Scriptures and I say, man, Jesus is calling me to a countercultural spiritual transformation, a, a formation that looks very different than the culture of the world we live in today. I, I like happy, clappy church. I like, I like, I like last and foul, fast, fast and loud worship. I like preachers who have catchy catchphrases. But I like countercultural spiritual formation more. I like people being transformed so we can see Jesus in the earth more than I like going to the concert. What's happened is, in, in, in this postmodern era, what the church has done is it's kind of, uh, there, there's kind of a fulcrum that has happened, and, and, there's a, and there's a kind of a board on the two, and there's these two divergent things happening at the same time. On the one side is fundamentalism, and fundamentalism is trying to preserve some sort of idealized 1950s America and calling it Christianity, and where we just, by the power of our own grit, we just make things like they used to be. And on the other side, we have kind of, kind of this, um, uh, what, what we would call, uh, just um, I'm using the right words here. I don't want to offend anybody. I want to I say this really well, where we just do this social justice without equity, without righteousness, without holiness. So we just have pure social justice on one end that's devoid of really the holiness of Jesus. And then we have this fundamentalist edge that says, we're just going to be holy and has no idea about the social justice of Jesus. Neither one are being transformed into the culture of Scripture. It's just man's own physical ability to do what he thinks is right in his own eyes, as opposed to countercultural spiritual formation where the Holy Ghost leads us where Jesus was trying to lead us all along. Does that make sense? And this is what we're trying to do, and this, this takes time. You see, Jesus was walking around, and these people are being abused like sheep without a shepherd, but how many of you know they had a shepherd? His name was Jesus, but they didn't recognize this shepherd because this shepherd wasn't taking them where they wanted to go. They had a, they had a watering hole they wanted to go to, and that wasn't the one Jesus was taking them to. You see, you see when, 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 religion, when religion promises you the idols of the world, that's a problem. Now, when you use God to empower people to receive the idols of the world, that's evil. And so, so much of the, the church today, they can't get people in the pews, so they start tempting people with, I'll give you what the world has promised you, except God will give it to you. That is called false light. What we got to do instead is recognize the watering holes that Jesus brought us to, because those are the only ones that will bring you peace. There's only one that will bring you joy, and that is living righteously while you are serving your brother. We have to understand both sides of this pendulum and allow the Holy Ghost to transform us to find joy where the Spirit is working. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? We have to allow God to define our joy and our peace, because without it, all we get is what the world has offered us. And I don't know if you've looked around Boca Raton, but there's not a whole lot of people I want to emulate. There are people chasing after more. If you are in South Florida, you do not measure up and you are always chasing after more. Jesus said, come, come, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. And what we need today is some soul rest. Amen? We got, we got a world of conflict and we need some soul rest. Hear me, humanity's problem became Jesus' problem because Jesus has compassion. 
Jesus looked at the problems of the world and says, I will take those problems as my problem because I have compassion on the world. I have a solution for this. Jesus could have easily said, not my problem. Jesus could easily say, I'm living righteous. If y'all want some peace like I got it, y'all figure it out. But Jesus decided, I will make the world's problem my problem. Jesus is going to do something about the problems of the world. And he couldn't minister to all himself. And so he decided to raise up some apostles to help him. You see, Jesus was going after. He was going after the problems of the world. This is what Martin Luther King said. He said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. He said, I can't just look for injustice where it bothers me. I got to go against all injustice because if we let an injustice move, then injustice will take over everything. If we say it's okay for those people to be broke, watch out. It's, it's, it's ne- you're next. Oh, it's okay for those people, those kids, that that group, those people to be treated unfairly. Watch out, you're next. It's coming for you. We can't allow injustice to happen, and we can never allow injustice to happen for God's kingdom to come. That is false light. We can't say, well, some people, I know it doesn't sound good, but we got to do this to some people. No, if you believe that anybody should be treated unjustly, you believe that anybody can be treated unjustly, and we can't allow that. He said that we as humanity, all of our lives are connected. Our lives, he said, are interwoven together in one tapestry, like like, like, like this fabric that is thick, and you make a mosaic on it. He said, we're all knit together, and this is what Jesus is talking about. We're all knit together on this earth. We're on this same planet. And he's like, justice should reign over this planet. And so the gospel, the gospel comes and the gospel is preached and the gospel lets folks know that there is a coming judgment. There is judgment on the unrighteous and those who would corrupt and abuse other people. There is a judgment coming. You may not see it right now. You may not see it tomorrow. But as you're sitting there taking advantage of people and abusing people, there is a God in heaven who is watching and there is a judgment to come. There is a hell to gain and there is a he- there is a, a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There is a kingdom that we want to inherit and there is a punishment we want to avoid. And this is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost comes to let the world know that there is a gospel. There is good news of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ determines morality. Why would Jesus come to earth? Why would people give their time and their money to go on short-term mission trips? Why would people give their lives and set aside their careers to go into the ministry because they have received the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's love moves on our hearts and sees how God sees creation. Skilo keripto. This is what God sees when He looks at Boca Raton today. There are people who are struggling and striving for love. They do not know that they're loved, but this society is chewing them up and spitting them out. We got kids cutting themselves to try to deaden the pain of what's happening socially. We got children abusing drugs, trying to harden their hearts to the abuse that they're receiving at home and at church. We got grown women who are trying to look like 22-year-olds because they're not honored for being elders. We got men who are trying to date young women to try to recapture their youth. These are sheep 
without a shepherd. And Jesus sees this. And Jesus had a plan to rescue humanity. He died on a sinner's cross and the Father raised Him from the dead so that whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen and amen. This is the promise of God. Romans 5, 7 through 8 says, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone should even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, He died for us. Jesus Christ saw the problems of the earth and said, I will make their problem my problem. And as long as I'm here, I can only minister to so many. But if I am raised up on a sinner's cross and I am taken to heaven, my Father, I will ask Him and He will release the Spirit and the Holy Ghost of God will descend upon those who believe in me and they will be empowered to do more than I ever could do. Greater works than I ever did because there will be people all over the planet walking with the heart of Jesus and with the anointing of God to do the works of Jesus to destroy systems of injustice, to destroy systems of sin, and to empower people to be followers of God. Can you say amen? amen? Yeah, amen. Matthew chapter 10, let's take a look at it. Starting in verse 1, we're continuing the story. You remember, Jesus saw these people were like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus summoned the 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now the names of the 12 brothers, we, you see all those. Skip ahead to verse 14, excuse me, 4. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him, right? We, we, we're going to put salt on his name every time we see it, right? Like every single time. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them. Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, what's that word say? And as you go, what? Let's all say it together. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He gave the same power to the disciples that he had. He, 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 he could have been all... Himself, he could. If you were setting up some sort of Buddhist thing or setting up some sort of false religion, he he never would have left. He's like, I'm the man. I'm going to stay the man. I can I can eat up this adulation forever. But Jesus's heart was on those who were hurting, and so Jesus anointed his disciples with the same power that he had. This is rare in the world today. I, I have you been to Whole Foods? Have you, have you been, my wife doesn't like to go to Whole Foods. My wife doesn't go to Whole Foods because there's too many products. There's just, there's more products per square foot in Whole Foods than anywhere else on the planet, I think. It's, it's like there's like not just three ketchups, there's like 40 ketchups. And I'm like, why, why do none of these have sugar? I don't understand. Just give me some Heinz ketchup that is easy to read. You look at the back, there is tomatoes, there's water. Sugar, right? Like that's, that's what I, that I want. I want, but there's like 40 different. Have, have you noticed this? There's like you walk in there, and there's 400 items of everything. And then you go to the checkout. Here's what's here's what's amazing to me. You go to the checkout, and they're like, "Would you like to donate five dollars toward hunger?" And I'm like, 
Y'all got a whole warehouse of food here and you're asking me for food? Are, are, are you so, what, 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 where am I? This is a twilight zone. What's happening here? Why don't you go and just get like two of the ketchups you have of the 40 and give them to the hungry? Why, why are you asking me to give like, what, 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 what sense does this make? I, it's, like, it's like me going to Office Depot and giving them paper. It doesn't make any sense. You're, you're literally a place of food and you're asking me if I will give food to the hungry. Like, what world are you living in that this makes sense? Anybody know? Is it just me? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You are the one. You buy food at wholesale. I'm buying retail. Why would I buy at retail? If you think it's that important, give them some food. I don't. I'm missing something here. You got to explain this to me. The world don't make any sense. Maybe it's just me. But Jesus was like, listen, I got all the stuff, and I'm not telling you to go out in your own power. I'm not telling you to figure out how to heal the world. I'm not telling you how to break systems of justice. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get the Holy Ghost of God and I'm going to get him on you and the same power that I am operating in, you will operate in. Does this make sense? It'd be like Whole Foods saying, you want to give some money to the poor? Here's my checkbook. Like, oh, well, thank you. Yes, I'd be more than happy to give a million dollars to the poor out of your checkbook. The one with wholesale prices on food. Yes, absolutely. I would love to do that. And Jesus is like, listen, I want you to go and do the stuff that I did, and you can use my checkbook. I just need you to figure out how to use it. Anybody, anybody, anybody understand what I'm talking about here? He gave the same power to the disciples that he operated in, but not before they saw how the world hurt his heart, that people were being harassed by the devil. And this is super important as those of you who are the feelers, those of you who like to fix people, those of you who like to mend people's lives, spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. A lot of folks who are stuck in cycles of stupid because they won't let their spiritual problems get fixed. And so they just stay there over and over and over doing the same thing. The gospel is a message of liberation. It's a, it's a message of setting people free. We talked about Gregory of Nyssa last, last week, about how 300, he was the first one to bring about a, a moral argument against sin. You know, it took a while for this anti-slavery movement to catch wind, and I, I don't know why exactly, but in the Second Great Awakening in America in the 1800s, uh, one of my personal heroes, Charles Finney, would preach town to town. He had a guy who went before him and kind of was his hype man, told everybody revival's coming, organized prayer meeting, got everybody ready, and then Charles Finney showed up, and uh, they had revival meetings. And all through the Northeast, just an amazing revival swept through. People were becoming Christians and See, they had thought that they were Christians because they were baptized when they were babies. But he, he preached the gospel that told them, listen, you need to make a personal decision whether or not you are going to reject the devil and follow Jesus. This is something you have to choose to make. You have to make a decision. Just because your mom got you wet when you were a baby, that don't make you a Christian. You have to decide that I am going to forsake sin and receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, believe in His resurrection and His ascension, confess my sin, and receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And it's not just it's not just something that happens as a baby. We need to do that not just when we first believe, but how many of you know we need to return to the gospel again and again. We we need to return again and again to the gospel and say, I need to confess my sin and receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. But since he was a revivalist, he had the heart of God. And so Charles Finney was one of the few preachers of his day that hated slavery. And since he hated slavery, a lot of people hated Charles Finney. And they he said that slavery was immoral and that no Christian could own another human, to which I would say, 
Amen. Seems like common sense these days. Uh, but this was part of what caused the suffragist movement and, uh, and, and this movement of, uh, of, of rights for all kinds of people. And let me talk about this. I want you to guard your heart because for some reason people get kind of weird about this. So, so tomorrow is Juneteenth. Tomorrow's Juneteenth. Go put it up if you would, Anastasia. Tomorrow's Juneteenth. And, 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 and this needs, if you're a preacher, you got to love Juneteenth. You, you, you got to love, like this is, this is, I'm about to get you if, you, if you preach the gospel, I'm about to get you very excited about Juneteenth. All right? This is our day. Juneteenth, of course, is uh, June 19th. It's sometimes called the Second Independence Day. Now, we know Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation in September 12th of 1862. Follow along. You're going to be in history school for a second. All right? All right? So it goes into effect January 1st, 1863. During that time, of course, you know there's a little war happening called the Civil War, which was over slavery. Don't anybody lie to you. Read the documents. It was over slavery, right? And so in the middle, this was the middle of the Civil War that it came into effect. And now you might say, I hear you, don't, before you get offended, I didn't own any slaves. I, I, I didn't put anybody in slavery. Yeah, we know that, all right? We, yeah, like, we get it, right? But we need to revisit this because this needs to remind us what evil we are capable of when we don't follow the gospel. This is not that long ago in human history that people in our country owned other people in our country. That is, it is so beyond imagination that we would do that. We, we need to know how sinful man can be if he does not have the gospel being preached to him. Right? Amen. Amen. And so, so, so without a prophetic voice, without a prophetic voice, we will live in sin. We will live in sin. And so, so in, the, in the Civil War, follow my little, my little history lesson here. In the Civil War, they finally captured New Orleans, which was a major city in the South. The, the, the North captured New Orleans. And when that happened, slave owners started migrating west in America, right? And so, so many, it says almost, the estimates around 150,000 slaves were brought into Texas. Well, one slave at that point said it seemed like all the world was moving to Texas in that time. And so the Civil War ended on April 9th, 1865, which effectively, finally reunited the United States and all slaves were free. But how many of you know, not everybody was giving up their slaves just because the government said they were free. And so these people who had moved into Texas, in West Texas, they didn't free their slaves. And finally, finally, Major General Gordon Ganger moved down to Texas in uh, June of 1865, and he saw that they weren't abiding by the laws. And so Major General Gordon Granger said, hey, just so y'all know, your, your government in Texas, it don't exist no more. I'm in charge of Texas, and all the slaves are free, right? And so he finally came. There was a messenger with a message of freedom to the slaves. Hey, I don't know that you know this, but you got freed two years ago. But I'm now bringing the message of freedom to you. And now that you have heard the message of freedom, you can go ahead and move off the plantation because ain't nobody owns you no more. You see, they have been free for years, but they didn't know it because nobody came and told them. Somebody had been lying to them. They have been abused, rejected, dispirited, and dejected. You understand what I'm talking about here. That what had been happening all along is what had been happening, how Jesus saw the world skilo ke ripto on these folks, but someone came with a message and said, you think you're, you're in bondage, you think you have to stay in bondage, but someone has set you free. 
free. And I'm here to enforce that freedom. You see, Juneteenth is the preacher's holiday right here. Because when the preacher shows up with the good news, people become free. This is what happens. So I love me some Juneteenth because it gives me authority to preach the gospel to those who don't know. I see you're living in captivity, but the Lord has set you free on the cross. You see, he died a sinner's death and he was raised from the dead. You don't have to live under this oppression anymore. You can live free in Christ. Can you say amen? Amen, 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 amen. Come on, somebody. I wonder how many people today are walking in bondage to the devil, even though Jesus paid the price for their freedom. How many people in your life today are still living as slaves to sin, even though Jesus paid the price for their freedom? You know, the, the, the most costly war America has ever been in, in terms of lives lost was the Civil War. All those lives given so that people would be free, and yet and still some people didn't know they could be free. And yet and still some people thought that they could still own other people when those people had already had their life paid for by the death of others. You see, Jesus didn't just come to free individuals. He came to break systems of oppression. I need you to, I need you to hear this. Jesus, Jesus didn't die because people were getting healed. Jesus didn't die because people were being freed of demons. Jesus didn't die because people were getting saved. People didn't kill Jesus because he was a good preacher. They killed Jesus because he was showing them a kingdom where their oppressors had no power. That's why they killed Jesus. Jesus told them, guess what? That the sin in the temple, it ain't washing you clean. The sin in the synagogue... It ain't teaching you the truth. There is a real living God who loves you. And I walk in the power of the Spirit, and you too will walk in the power of the Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will recognize that these are false shepherds and false teachers. And they killed Jesus thinking that would kill His message. Little did they know it was His plan all along to multiply His anointing upon those who would follow Him. And there would not just be one Christ, one Jesus walking the earth, but there would be multiplied ministers of the gospel carrying that same Holy Ghost power, setting people free from systems of oppression. Can you say amen? Come on, they didn't even know that they were multiplying that gospel as they hung Jesus to die. But I need you to hear this. We need a prophetic eye to the world today and see who's in captivity and who needs to be set free. It's easy to look back at the slave trade. It's easy to say, oh, well, you know, well, if, I, if I'd have lived then. No, you, if you'd have lived then, you'd be doing what, what you're doing right now. That, 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 that's the truth. If you are fighting for the oppressed now, then you probably would have then. If you don't see it now, Probably wouldn't have seen it then. That's the truth. Let me, let me read you something. This was in the news on Friday. Can you put up that graphic, uh, please, Anastasia? This is in the news on Friday. I'm going to read you this report. It says, in a joint effort by several agencies, a Boca Raton man who had human trafficked multiple women for several years and made over a quarter million dollars was arrested. The suspect, 42-year-old, I'm not even going to say his name, allegedly had complete control over three young survivors' lives, financially, emotionally, physically, the man's affidavit showed. He was arrested Thursday night, taken to jail, uh, with three counts of human trafficking of a minor, three counts of deriving money from prostitution, and two counts of unlawful sex with a minor. Boca Raton Police Department's Vice Intelligence and Narcotics Unit 
joined with Palm Beach County Human Trafficking Task Force, and the FBI was in this case. He also expected her to work six days a week, making anywhere between $600 and $1,000 a day, which was all expected to be turned over to him. In addition to the financial abuse, the young survivor also was subjected to regular physical and sexual abuse. Multiple other women in the house also underwent the same experience for about three years. All the fear, all the fear and financial dependence on him led the young women and others to continue doing sex work for him. Now, I need you to think about this. In our county, little Palm Beach County, just, you know, Palm Beach County, there is an entire division at the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Department dedicated to human trafficking. That's slavery. That's the, that's the legal term for slavery. We got a task force, in, not, 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 not at the FBI, not, not at the UN. Palm Beach County has a task force to come against slavery in Boca Raton. This is a problem. Amen. This is what Jesus came for. These are the people Jesus came to set free. This is one man in Boca. We're not talking about New York City. We're not talking about Detroit. We're not talking about Fallujah. We're talking about in our town, there was a man who's enslaving minors and trafficked her in the sex trade. We got problems that bothered Jesus in Boca Raton. And we need to take the gospel seriously. This man needs the gospel. This girl needs the gospel. Our town needs the gospel because this is unrighteous and we need to do something about it. Can you say amen? Jesus came for these people. It needs to bother us. Come on up, Mike, if you would. <clears throat> what is the solution? The gospel. Here's what Jesus said, going back to Matthew chapter 10. He said, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Oh, Jesus, the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. You see, I'm not up here just giving a motivational talk today. That's not what's happened. You see, Pentecostal preaching brings supernatural results. When you preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God shows up and begins moving in hearts, convicting of sin, enlightening hearts to a greater kingdom to come. The present reality of the kingdom of God. This is the power of preaching the gospel. When you, when you preach the gospel, you overcome the spirit of our age. The spirit says that you just look out for yourself. The whole goal of this existence is to see how rich you can get. The goal of this existence is, a, is just, 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 just to be the man. No, that's not it. We, we live in a we live in a in a in a society where big pimping is something that we laugh at. This woman was pimped for three years. It's disgusting. It's abusive. It's immoral. We need to hate it. And yet somehow the world is so crept into our vocabulary. We're like, oh, I'm just a pimp. Are you really? Please repent. Hear the gospel. Turn your heart away from that. Oh, pastor, you just, it's just a word. Yeah, it's just a word. Just like damnation is a word. 
Just like depart from me in the everlasting darkness is a word. Just like I never knew you is a word. These are words I don't want to hear. You know what else is a word? Enter in, good and faithful son. Enter into the rest of the Lord. See, that's what I want to hear. Those are the words I want to hear at the end. When they put my name in the paper, when I pass, I want to hear some words in there. And Big Pimp is not one of them. Faithful servant of God is what I would like. I would like one who fought for those who could not fight for themselves. One who preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. One who gave of himself so that others could have a better life is what I'm living for. Are you with me? Is there anybody in here who says there's problems in South Florida and I got the gospel solution for it? Come on, somebody. There's problems in my family and I got a gospel solution for it. It's the exercise of the gifts of the Spirit and miracles. The power is witnessing to the work of Jesus Christ and not ourselves. I don't have power, but you know who does? God has power. And he's empowered me to let you see that he is alive, risen from the dead, and still working in South Florida today. I am more convinced than ever that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. I don't know if there's aliens. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what happened 10,000 years ago on the earth. I don't know about the flood. I don't, I don't know about any of that stuff. When I lay my head down at night, I know that there is a Savior who lived without sin and he was persecuted and he died a sinner's death and they buried him in a grave and that the Father raised him from the dead and that he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me. I know that I know, just like I know Tracy is my wife and that I'm called to preach the gospel, I know that Jesus Christ has saved me, washed me in the blood, and gave me a new future. I know that he has set me free and set my feet on solid ground. I know that there is a hell to shun and there is a heaven to gain. I know that I know that I know that I am saved and going to heaven. And I know that God has empowered me to preach this gospel to anyone who will listen and to a lot of people who won't listen. I'm going to keep preaching that Jesus Christ saved sinners. I'm going to keep preaching that Jesus Christ has come to set the captives free. And I believe in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I believe in the power of Jesus. I believe in the love of Jesus. I believe in the authority of his word. I believe in the power of the resurrection. I believe in his gospel. I believe in the go of the gospel. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with signs and wonders. I believe that you shall speak in new tongues and handle serpents and that any evil comes against you. It shall not prevail. I believe in this gospel. Come on, somebody. I believe in it. I believe in it. I believe in it. I believe in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do I do, pastor? What do I do? I got three quick things. Three quick things. I'm going to end on time. Miracles happen today. The Holy Ghost is at work. Holy Ghost is moving, Mikey. Holy Ghost is moving. Hallelujah. Three things. I mean, listen, I, I hope that I have compelled you today. I hope that I have, I hope that you have uh, been convinced that Jesus has a mission for you. I hope that you uh, would be part of this mission. If you've not given your life to Jesus, I hope that you decide today, yeah, this is something I probably need to do right now. Don't wait, but do it right now. But here's what I want you to do today. Number one, put it up, please. Make a vow that you will tell someone what God did for you. Oh, pastor, I don't know that I can preach like you preach. Good. Good. Don't preach like I preach. 
you got to find out how you preach. How do you do that? You start telling people your story of what God did for you. Oh, I got to quit my job. And I, no, no, no. Make all the money you can. Make, ethically. Make all the money you can and do good with it. But preach the gospel. You, pre- you tell somebody your story. Your story is the power of God for salvation. Make a vow. God told the Old Testament saints, listen, you keep bringing me all these sacrifices. The sacrifice I want is praise. And the real offering I want is you to keep your vow that you would make me your one God. Make a vow today. I'm going to tell somebody the story of what Jesus did for me. Number two, invite someone to church where they can learn about their freedom. Oh, can you imagine those slaves in West Texas been like, why didn't nobody tell me earlier? Why didn't somebody tell me? I remember when I got saved, I was like, good God. I, I wish I'd have found this out a couple years ago. This would have solved some problems in my life. Could have avoided some relationships. Could have avoided some heartache. Could have avoided some problems. I wish somebody had told me. I wish somebody cared enough to break down the gospel. Somebody would have come through my defenses and my arguments and my debates and my, my pride, if I could be honest. And say, I know you say that you're Christian, but let's just open the Bible together. Let's just do a little, come on, let's just do a Bible study. Why don't you come to church with me? I'll buy you some coffee, show up, just hang out, go out to lunch afterwards. Just, I wish somebody, I wish somebody cared enough about me a little earlier. I'd have less therapy sessions right now, I'll tell you that much. Put some therapists out of work if they would have, I'm, I'm, I'm paying some therapist mortgage myself with the issues I got. Anybody, anybody with me? You're just like, yeah, got saved a little earlier, that might have helped. Number three. Come on up, Sessia. Number three, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in the Bible and declare the word of the Lord over your life. You find God's promises for you in the word. And you declare the word of the Lord over your life. You declare the word of the Lord over your life. Declare. Number one, Make a commitment to tell your testimony. Number two, invite someone to church. Number three, declare the word of the Lord over your life. I want you to stop living in the lie that you're not loved. Stop living in the lie that you're rejected like sheep without a shepherd. When the voice of the enemy comes and whispers in your ear, you rebuke that thing with the word of the Lord. You preach the gospel to it. You say, no, 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 no. I have been saved and set free. I am a child of God. Stand with me if you would. I want to invite you into a fresh commitment today. That you would give yourself to the cause of setting people free from captivity of sin, destruction. And that you yourself would rededicate yourself to the Lord as a fresh and holy temple, as a missionary to God. Come on, let's sing it.
Father, I dedicate myself to your gospel today. I give myself I sanctify away. myself. I reject my sin. So I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now empower me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the Spirit of God so I can be a witness. Come on, come on, come on, lift your voice.